0: Of course we'd like to thank our sponsor, Economy Works, a freelance talent network that connects professionals with project work. If you're a company that needs help with writing job descriptions, conducting marketing analysis, managing your social media platforms, Economy Works has an extensive talent network of freelance professionals ready to help you do more with less. Economy Works. When we work, the, the economy, economy works. works. Okay, so no one to banter with this this episode as it is a mini-sode. Chris is, um, I don't know, doing something today, probably working. Uh, So I wanted to read the story from uh, last week's episode. Um, Uh I know we talked about it quite a bit, but I want it to, I just want you guys to hear it verbatim. I think that would be fun and I wanted to put out some content for you. So without further ado, This is a reading of the No End House. Let me start by saying that Peter Terry was addicted to heroin. We were friends in college and continued to be after I graduated. Notice that I said, I. He dropped out after two years of barely cutting it. After I moved out of the dorms and into a small apartment, I didn't see Peter as much. We would talk online every now and then. AIM was king in the pre-Facebook years. There was a period where he wasn't online for about five weeks straight. I wasn't worried. He was a pretty notorious flake and drug addict. So I assumed he just stopped caring. Then one night I saw him log on before I could initiate a conversation. He sent me this message, David, man, we need to talk. That was when he told me about the no end house. It got that name because no one ever reached the final exit. The rules were pretty simple and cliche. Reach the final room of the building, and you win $500. There were nine rooms in all, and the house was located outside the city, roughly four miles from my house. Apparently, Peter had tried and failed. He was a heroin and who knows what the fuck addict. So I figured the drugs just got the best of him, and he wigged out at a paper ghost or something. He told me it would be too much for anyone, that it was unnatural. I didn't believe him. I told him I would go check out check it out the next night. No matter how hard he tried to convince me otherwise, $500 sounded too good to be true. I had to go. I set out the following night. When I arrived, I immediately noticed something strange about the building. Have you ever seen or read something that just shouldn't be scary, but for some reason a chill crawls up your spine? I walked towards the building and the feeling of uneasiness only intensified as I opened the front door my heart slowed. The room looked like a normal hotel lobby, decorated for Halloween. A sign was posted in the place of a worker that read, Room 1, this way. Eight more to follow. Reach the end and you win. I chuckled as I made my way to the first door. The first area was almost laughable. The decor resembled the Halloween aisle of a Kmart, complete with sheet ghosts and animatronic zombies that gave a static growl when you passed by. At the far end was an exit. It was the only door besides the one I had entered through. I brushed through the fake spiderwebs and headed for my second room. I was greeted by fog as I opened the door to room two. The room definitely upped the ante in the terms of technology. Not only was there a fog machine, but a bat hung from the ceiling and flew in a circle. Scary. They seemed to have a Halloween soundtrack that would find, one would find in a 99-cent store on Loop somewhere in the room. I didn't see a stereo, but I guessed they must have used a PA system. I stepped over a few toy rats that wheeled around and walked with a puffed chest across to the next area. I reached for the doorknob and my heart sank to my knees. I did not want to open that door. A feeling of dread hit me so hard that I could barely even think. Logic overtook me after a few terrified moments, then I shook it off and entered the next room. Room three is when things began to change. On the surface it looked like a normal room. There was a chair in the middle of the wood-paneled floor. A single lamp in the corner did a poor job of lighting the area, casting a few shadows across the floors and walls. That was the problem. Shadows. Plural. With the exception of the chairs, there were others. I had barely walked in the door, and I was already terrified. It was at this moment that I knew something wasn't right. I didn't even think as I automatically tried to open the door I came through, but it was locked from the other side. That set me off. Was somebody locking the doors as I progressed? There was no way. I would have heard them. Was it a mechanical lock that set automatically? Maybe. But I was too scared to really think. I turned back to the room and the shadows were gone. The chair's shadow remained, but the others were gone. I slowly began to walk. I used to hallucinate when I was a kid, so I wrote the shadows off as a figment of my imagination. I began to feel better as I made it half to the halfway point of the room. I looked down and I took my steps. And that's when I saw it. Or I didn't see it. My shadow wasn't there. I didn't have time to scream. I ran so fast, I could I ran as fast as I could to the other door and flung myself without thinking into the room beyond. The fourth room was possibly the most disturbing. As I closed the door, all light seemed to be sucked out and put into the previous room. I stood there, surrounded by darkness, not able to move. I'm not afraid of the dark and I never have been, but I was absolutely terrified all sight had left me. I held my hand in front of my face, and if I didn't know what I was doing, I would have never been able to tell. Darkness c- does not describe it. I couldn't hear anything. It was dead silence. When, you're in a, when you are in a soundproof room, you can still hear yourself breathing. You can hear yourself being alive. I couldn't. I began to stumble forward after a few moments, my rapidly beating heart the only thing I could feel. There was no door in sight. I wasn't even sure if there was that one this time. The silence was broken by a low hum. I felt something behind me. I spun around wildly, but I could barely even see my nose. I knew it was there, though. Regardless of how dark it was, I knew something was there. The hum grew louder, closer. It seemed to surround me, but... I knew whatever was causing the noise was in front of me, inching closer. I took a step back. Uh, I had never felt that kind of fear. I can't really describe true fear. I wasn't even scared I was going to die. I was scared of what the alternative was. I was afraid that of what this thing had in store for me. Then the lights flashed for a second and I saw it. Nothing. I saw nothing and I know I saw nothing there. The room again was plunged into darkness, and the hum became a wild screech. I screamed in protest. I could hear this goddamn sound for another minute. I ran backwards, away from the noise, and fumbled for a door handle. I turned and fell into room number five. Before I describe room five, you have to understand something. I am not a drug addict. I have no history of drug abuse or any sort of psychosis short of the childhood hallucinations I mentioned earlier, and those were only when I was really tired or just waking up. I entered the had no end house with a clear head. After falling from in from the previous room, my view of room 5 was from my back, looking up at the ceiling. What I saw didn't scare me, it simply surprised me. Trees had grown in the room and now towered above my head. The ceilings in this room were taller than others, which made me think that I was in the center of the house. I got up off the floor and dusted myself off and took a look around. It was definitely the biggest room of them all. I couldn't even see the door from where I was. Various brush and trees must have blocked my line of sight from the exit. Up to this point, I figured the rooms were going to get scarier, but this was a paradise compared to the last room. I also assumed whatever was in the room four had stayed back there. I was incredibly wrong. As I made my way deeper into the room, I began to hear what one would hear if they were in the forest. Chirping bugs and the occasional flap of birds seemed to be my only company in this room. That was the thing that bothered me most at first. I heard the bugs and other animals, but I didn't see any of them. I began to wonder how big this house was. From the outside, when I first walked up to it, it looked like a regular house. It was definitely on the bigger side, but this was almost a full forest in here. The canopy covered my view of the ceiling, but I assumed it was still there. However high it was, I I couldn't see any walls either. The only way I knew I was still inside the house was that the floor matched the other rooms. The standard dark wood paneling. I kept walking, hoping that the next tree I passed would reveal the door. After a few moments of walking, I felt a mosquito onto my, fly onto my arm. I shook it off and kept walking. A second later, I felt about ten more land on my skin in different places. I felt them crawl up and down my arms and legs, and a few made their way across my face. I flailed wildly to get them off, but they all just kept crawling. I looked down and let out a muffled scream. More of a whimper, to be honest. I didn't see a single bug. Not one bug was on me, but I could feel them crawl. I heard them fly by my face and sting my skin, but I couldn't see a single one. I dropped to the ground. I began to roll wildly. I was desperate. I hate bugs, but especially ones I can't see or touch. These bugs could touch me, and they were everywhere. I began to crawl. I had no idea where I was going. The entrance was nowhere in sight, and I still haven't seen the exit, so I just crawled, my skin wriggling with the presence of those phantom bugs. After what seemed like hours, I found the door. I grabbed the nearest tree and propped myself up, mindlessly slapping my arms and legs to no avail. I tried to run, but I couldn't. My body was exhausted from crawling and dealing with whatever it was that was on me. I took a few shaky steps to the door, grabbing each tree on the way for support. It was only a few feet away when I heard it. The low hum from before. It was coming from the next room, and it was deeper. I could almost feel it inside my body, like when you stand next to an amp at a concert. The bugs on me lessened as the hum grew louder. I placed my hand on the doorknob, and the bugs were gone. But I couldn't bring myself to turn the knob. I knew that if I let go, the bugs would return, and there was no way to make it back to room four. I just stood there. My head pressed against the door marked six, and my hand shakily grasping the knob. <laughs> the hum was so loud I couldn't even hear myself pretend to think. There was no thing I could do but move on. Room six was next, and room six was hell. I closed the door behind me, and I held my eyes shut, and my ears were ringing. The hum was surrounding me. As the door clicked into place, the hum was gone. I opened my eyes in surprise, and the door I had just shut was gone. It was just a wall now. I looked around in shock. This room was identical to room 3, the same chair and lamp, but with the correct amount of shadows this time. The only real difference was that there was no exit door, and the one I just came through was gone. As I said before, I had no previous issues in terms of mental instability, but that moment I fell into what I know was insanity. I didn't scream. I didn't make a sound. At first I just scratched softly. The wall was tough, but I knew the door was there somewhere. I just knew it was. I scratched it where the doorknob was. I clawed at the wall frantically with both hands, my nails being filed down to skin against the wood. I fell silently to my knees. The only sound in the room was the incessant scratching against the wall. I knew it was there. The door was there. I just knew it was there. I knew if I could only get past this wall. Are you all right? I jumped off the ground and spun around in one motion. I leaned against the wall behind me and I saw what it is that spoke to me. To this day, I regret ever turning around. There was a little girl. She was wearing a soft white dress that went all the way down to her ankles. She had long blonde hair to the middle of her back and white skin and blue eyes. She was the most frightening thing I'd ever seen. And i know nothing in my life will ever be as unnerving as what i saw in her while looking at her i saw something else where she stood i saw what looked like a man's body only larger than normal and covered in hair he was naked from head to toe but his head was not human and his toes were hooves it wasn't the devil but at that moment might well it might as well have been The form had the head of a ram and the snout of a wolf. It was horrifying. And it was synonymous with the little girl in front of me. They were the same form. I can't really describe it, but I saw them at the same time. They shared the same spot in that room. But it was like I was looking in two separate dimensions. When I saw the girl, I saw the form. And when I saw the form, I saw the girl. I couldn't speak. I could barely even see. My mind was revolting against what, was a, what it was attempting to process. I had been scared before in my life, and I had never been more scared than when I was trapped in the fourth room, but that was before room six. I just stood there, staring at whatever it was that spoke to me. There was no exit. I was trapped in here with it. And then it spoke again. David, you should have listened. When it spoke, I heard the words of the little girl, but the other form spoke through my mind in a voice I won't attempt to describe. There was no other sound. The voice just kept repeating that sentence over and over in my mind. And I agreed. I didn't know what to do. I was slipping into madness, yet I couldn't take my eyes off of what was in front of me. I dropped to the floor. I thought I had passed out, but the room wouldn't let me. I just wanted it to end. I was on my side, my eyes wide open, and the form staring down at me. Scurrying across the floor, in front of me, was one of the battery-powered rats from the second room. The house was toying with me, but for some reason, seeing that rat pulled my mind back from whatever depths it was headed, and I looked around the room. I was getting out of there. I was determined to get out of that house and live and never think about this place again. I knew this room was hell and I wasn't ready to take up a residency. At first, it was just my eyes that moved. I searched the walls for any kind of opening. The room wasn't that big, so it didn't take long to soak up the entire layout. The demon still taunted me, the voice growing louder as the form stayed rooted where it stood. I placed my hand on the floor, lifted myself up to all fours, and turned around to scan the wall behind me. Then I saw something I couldn't believe. The form was right at my back now, whispering into my mind how I shouldn't have come. I felt its breath on the back of my neck, but I refused to turn around. A large rectangle was scratched into the wood, with a small dent chipped away at the center of it. Right in front of my eyes, I saw the large seven I had mindlessly etched into the wall. I knew what it was. Room seven was just beyond that wall where the room five was moments ago. I don't know how I'd done it. Maybe it was just my state of mind at the time, but I had created the door. I knew I had. In my madness, I'd scratched into the wall what I needed most. An exit to the next room. Room seven was close. I knew the demon was right behind me, but for some reason it couldn't touch me. I closed my eyes and placed both hands on the large seven in front of me. And I pushed, I pushed as hard as I could. The demon was now screaming in my ears. It told me that I was never leaving. It told me that this was the end, but I wasn't going to die. I was going to live there with it in room six. I wasn't, I pushed and I screamed at the top of my lungs. I knew that the, I knew I was going to push through the wall eventually. I clenched my eyes shut and screamed and the demon was gone. I was left in silence. I turned around slowly and was greeted by the room as, just as it was when I had entered. A chair and a lamp. I couldn't believe it, but I didn't have time to well. I turned back to the seven and jumped back slightly. What I saw was a door. It wasn't the one that I had scratched in, but a regular door with a large seven on it. My whole body was shaking. It took me a while to turn the knob. I just stood there for a while, staring at the door. I couldn't stay in room six, I couldn't. But if this was only room six, I couldn't imagine what seven had in store. I must have stood there for an hour, just staring at the seven. Finally, with a deep breath, I twisted the knob and opened the door to room seven. I stumbled through the door, mentally exhausted and physically weak, the door behind me closed, and I realized where I was. I was outside. Not outside like room five, but actually outside. My eyes stung. I wanted to cry. I fell to my knees and tried, but I couldn't. I was finally out of that hell. I didn't even care about the prize that was promised. I turned and saw that the door I had just went through was the entrance. I walked to my car, and I drove home thinking of how nice a shower sounded. As I pulled up to my house, I felt uneasy. The joy of the leaving the no-end house had faded, and dread was slowly building in my stomach. I shook it off as residual from the house and made my way through the front door. I had entered and went up to my room. There was a bed. There on my bed was my cat, Baskerville's. He was the first living thing that I had seen all night, and I reached to pet him. And he hissed, and he swiped at my hand. I recoiled in shock. He had never acted like that. I thought, whatever, he's just an old cat. I jumped in the shower and got ready for what, was, what I was expecting to be a sleepless night. After my shower, I went in the kitchen to make something to eat. I descended the stairs and turned in the family room. What I saw would be forever burned into my mind. My parents were laying on the ground, naked, covered in blood. They were mutilated to near unidentifiable states. Their limbs were removed and placed next to their bodies and their heads were placed on their chests facing me. The most unsettling part of was their expressions. They were smiling as though they were happy to see me. I vomited and sobbed there in the family room i didn't i didn't know what had happened they didn't even live with me at the time i was a mess and then i saw it a door that was never there before a door with a large eight scrawled on it in blood i was still in the house i was standing in my family room but i was in room seven the faces of my parents smiled wider as I realized this. They weren't my parents, they couldn't be, but they looked exactly like them. The door marked 8 was just across the room, behind the mutilated bodies in front of me. I knew I had to, I had to move on, but at that moment I gave up. Their smiling faces tore into my mind, they grounded me where I stood. I vomited again and nearly collapsed, then the hum returned, and it was louder than ever. It filled the house, and it shook the walls. The hum compelled me to walk. I began to walk slowly, making my way closer to the door and the bodies. I could barely stand, let alone walk, and the closer I got to my parents, the closer I came to suicide. The walls were now shaking so hard it seemed as though they were going to crumble. But still, the faces smiled at me. As I inched closer, their eyes followed me. I was now between the two bodies, a a few feet away from the door. The dismembered hands clawed their way across the carpet towards me. All the while, their faces continued to stare. New terror washed over me as I walked faster. I didn't want to hear them speak. I didn't want their voices to match those of my parents. They began to open their mouths and their hands were inches from my feet in a dash of desperation i lunged towards the door and threw it open and i slammed it behind me roommate i was done after what i had just experienced i knew there wasn't anything else on that this fucking house could throw at me that i couldn't live through there was nothing short of the fires of hell that i wasn't ready for Unfortunately, I underestimated the abilities of the no-end house. Unfortunately, things got more disturbing, more terrifying, and more unspeakable in room 8. I still have trouble believing what I saw in room 8. Again, the room was a carbon copy of 3 and 6, but sitting in the usually empty chair was a man. After a few seconds of disbelief, my mind finally accepted the fact that the man sitting in the chair was me. Not someone who looked like me, it was David Williams. I walked closer. I had to get a better look, even though I was sure of it. He looked up at me, and I noticed tears in his eyes. Please, please don't do it. Please don't hurt me. What? I asked. Who are you? I'm not going to hurt you yes you are he was sobbing now you're gonna hurt me and i don't want you to he sat in the chair with his legs up and began rocking back and forth it was actually pretty pathetic looking especially since he was me identical in every way listen who are you i was now only a few feet from my doppelganger it was the weirdest experience yet standing there talking to myself i wasn't scared but i would be soon Why are you, you're going to hurt me, you're going to hurt me, and if you want to leave, you're going to hurt me. Why are you saying this? Just calm down, all right? Let's try to figure this, and then I saw it. The David sitting down was wearing the same clothes as me, except for a small patch on his shirt embroidered with the number nine. You're going to hurt me. You're going to hurt me. You're going to hurt me. Please don't. You're going to hurt me. My eyes didn't leave that small number on his chest. I knew exactly what it was. The first few doors were plain and simple, but after a while they got a little bit more ambiguous. Seven was scratched into the wall, but by my own hands. Eight was marked in blood above the bodies of my parents, but nine, this number was on a person, a living person. Worse still, it was on a person that looked exactly like me. David, I had to ask. Yes, you're going to hurt me. You're going to hurt me, he continued to sob and rock. He answered to David. He was me. Right down to the voice. But that nine paced around for a few minutes while he sobbed in his chair. The room had no door, and similarly to room six, the door I had came through was gone, but for some reason I assumed that scratching would get me nowhere this time. I studied the walls and the floor around the chair, sticking my head underneath and seeing if anything was below. Unfortunately, there was. Below the chair was a knife. Attached was a tag that read to David from management. The feeling in my stomach as I read the tag was something sinister. I wanted to throw up and the last thing I wanted to do was remove that knife from under the chair. The other David was still sobbing uncontrollably. My mind was spinning into an attic of unanswerable questions. Who put this here, and how did they get my name? Not to mention the fact that, as I knelt on the cold wood floor, I also sat in the chair, sobbing in protest of being hurt by myself. It was all too much to process. The house and the management had been playing with me this whole time. My thoughts, for some reason, turned to Peter, and whether or not he got this far. If he did if he had met a peter terry sobbing in this very chair rocking back and forth i shook those thoughts out of my head they didn't matter i took the knife from under the chair and immediately the other david went quiet david he said in my voice what do you think you're going to do i lifted myself from the ground and clenched the knife in my hand I'm going to get out of here. David was still sitting in the chair, though he was very calm now. He looked at me with a slight grin. I couldn't tell if he was going to laugh or strangle me. Slowly he got up from the chair and stood, facing me. It was uncanny. His height and even the way he stood matched mine. I felt the rubber hilt of the knife in my hand and I gripped it tighter. I don't know what I was planning on doing with it, but I had a feeling I was going to need it. Now, his voice slightly deeper than my own, I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to hurt you, and I'm going to keep you here. I didn't respond. I just lunged and tackled him to the ground. I mounted him and looked down at him, knife poised and ready. He looked up at me, terrified. It was like I was looking in a mirror. And then the hum returned, low and distant, though I still feel it deep in my body. David looked up at me as I looked down on myself. The hum was getting louder, and I felt something inside me snap. With one motion, I slammed the knife into the patch on his chest and ripped down. Blackness fell on the room, and I was falling. The darkness around me was like nothing I had ever experienced up to that point. Room four was dark, but it didn't come close to what was engulfing me. I wasn't even sure if I was falling after a while. I felt weightless, covered in dark, and then a deep sadness came over me. I felt lost, depressed, suicidal. The sight of my parents entered my mind now, and I knew it wasn't real, but I had seen it. And the mind has trouble differentiating between what is real and what isn't. The sadness only deepened. I was in room nine for what seemed like days. The final room, and that's exactly what it was. The end. No end house had an end, and I had reached it. At that moment, I gave up. I knew that I would be in that in-between state forever. Accompanied by nothing but darkness, not even the hum was there to keep me sane. I had lost all senses. I couldn't I couldn't feel myself. I couldn't hear anything. Sight was completely useless here. I searched for a taste in my mouth and I found nothing. I felt disembodied and completely lost. I knew where I was. This was hell. Room nine was hell. And then it happened. A light. One of those stereotypical lights at the end of the tunnel i felt the ground come up from below me and i was standing after a moment or two of gathering my thoughts and senses i slowly walked towards the light as i approached the light it took form it was a vertical slit down the side of an unmarked door i slowly walked through the door and found myself back where i started in the lobby of the no end house it was exactly how i left it still empty still decorated with childish halloween decorations after everything that had happened that night i was still wary of where i was after a few moments of normalcy i looked around the place trying to find anything that was different on the desk was a plain white envelope with my name handwritten on it immensely curious yet still cautious i mustered up the courage to open the envelope inside was a letter Again handwritten david williams congratulations you have made it to the end of the no end house please accept this prize as a token of achievement yours forever management with the letter were five one hundred (laughs) dollar bills and i couldn't stop laughing I laughed for what seemed like hours, I laughed as I walked out to my car, and I laughed as I drove home, and I laughed as I pulled into my driveway, and I laughed as I opened my front door to my house, and I laughed when I saw the small ten etched in the wood. So that was a reading of the No End House. Um, I'm debating on doing these more often as something to release during the week, but um, Apart from our our regular sunday episode let me know what you think um if you have some suggestions for things i should read i think they i think i'm probably just going to keep them uh, creepypastas because i think they read well um not commentary it's just an like, actual scary thing for for you guys to listen to so hit us up on our spoopy our spoopy podcast on twitter and uh sorry on instagram and facebook and then on twitter at our spoopy thank you for listening to our podcast and getting to know us a bit more if you like the trash that you just heard subscribe to hear future episodes visit our website our dot com follow us on facebook and instagram at our spoopy podcast and on twitter at our spoopy Also, keep an ear out for a new podcast. Let's talk Talk about about gay stuff, which will be out in June.